We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by DoorDash, Pepsi, and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is the same man as always, my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. Victory, victory Monday coming up. Two on one, baby. I know it's it's hard for us to say like Victory Monday because we're not like recording it on a Monday, but we're recording it on a Sunday evening. But for everybody listening, it will be Victory Monday because the 49ers, I guess you could call them the B team, 
with the <laughs> amount of injuries to starters the 49ers had. Yeah. After the, the first quarter, it was like the C team. Yeah, C-plus team. You know, like they went out and absolutely destroyed the Giants 36-9. to What does that say you know? about Kyle Shanahan to you? I mean, like that that's that's a big – between Kyle Shanahan and Robert Solid, because uh, uh, I know someone had, gosh, I should have had this pulled up, but some earlier in the game, let's see. Okay, here we go. Akash, he said, it's pretty simple. Today, 49ers just have to find a way to win, no matter how it looks, no matter what the score says. You know, the team just has to weather the storm. Shanahan and Sala are going to earn their paychecks today. So knowing that, you know, 49ers are – Crippled, like you're basically fighting with one hand tied tie behind your back with all these injuries that you know they've had, and people are making jokes about it. It's all over Twitter, just how decimated this roster is with injuries, and you know it's still like, well, you, you know, you're still expected to win the game, and they didn't just win; like they blew the Giants out. Like, what does that say to you about Salah and Kyle Shanahan? Well, that and and I tweeted something similar to to what you're asking earlier. I and I just said this win has got to be a a feather in the cap for like for I basically said chalked it up to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch because they both have built a roster that is capable of enduring the amount of injuries that they've had and still competing. And they've you know and more towards Kyle's side, he's put together a staff that is able to work with the talent that they have and still create winning results, which is, you know, I'm not, nobody in that, in that sentence, in those couple of sentences deserves any more praise than anybody else. I just think it's impressive that they were able to, and, and of course, you know, stereotypically you get a couple of replies that were saying like, Oh, but it's the giants. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get that. Normally I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Pump the brakes, but you're talking about a roster that was like, or a starting group that was like primarily consisted of backups. Like may there's a couple positions in there that are still intact, you know, safety linebacker, um, uh, offensive line ish, but there's backups along the offensive line too. Even you know, for God. Drake Greenlaw's out. So, right. I mean, right. That's yeah, that's true. That. That's true. So it's, you know, to me, it's just impressive that the 49ers as a whole from, you know, from the janitor all the way up to the top have, have found a way to create an atmosphere and create a roster and create a team that has enough confidence in themselves that they could lose. They could have this many. Hold on. Hold on. Give me, give me two seconds here. Cause this, yeah. this needs to be said because I want to make sure I got the whole list because it's so earlier, right after the game, I tweeted the 49ers were without colon. Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, D4, Dre Greenlaw, Tevin Coleman, Jalen Hurd, Weston Richburg, Ronald Blair, Solomon Thomas, and still beat the Giants by 27. And <laughs> that's and that's what I mean. Like, like you're not there's only a couple names, maybe one or two names on that list that's not like a impact player. You know, like like Solomon Thomas rotational, Ronald Blair rotational, and then you know we weren't sure what kind of role Jalen Hurd was going to play, but everybody else on that list is like a, a starter or somebody who sees significant snaps in every game. And the 49ers have constructed a roster that was capable of losing all of those guys, and still, yes, it's the Giants and the Jets, 
But this is the NFL. Nothing is nothing is easy. Nothing is given. And they still went out there and and they won as if all their starters were playing. Does that make sense? Like it was thirty six yeah. to nine. So I mean, it says a lot about everybody in this building. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> very impressive. Very impressive. impressive. Right. And and I and I normally I would be right there with anybody that have the opinion like oh well let's pump the brakes it's the Jets it's the Giants and I'm like let's not pump the brakes did you see the list of injuries right like this it's it, it, those are those are that amount of injuries I mean if you took whatever that rip whatever if there was some way to quantify what those injuries meant to the 49ers in like you know whatever measurement you wanted to use and you impose that on any other team. Do they go out and, and beat the Giants thirty six to nine? No starting quarterback. You know your best, your your two top two running backs, your your best pass rusher. You know your top corner. All the, the you know you guys obviously you guys listening know what I'm trying to say. Like it's just if you take Impressive. the same scenario, is do they do they have as much success? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. So I mean, you you summed it up. It's just it's yeah. it's impressive. It's and on impressive. top of the guys, and on top of the guys, I know you're going to do the news and talk about injuries, but you know, you go into the game shorthanded without 12 starters, which is still crazy, and then you're you're missing, and then you 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 lose Jordan Reed and Emmanuel Mosley, you know, out for the game. Like so now it's like, and and when those guys went out, it was still a tight game. So I mean, you can add that to the 12 starters and really add. To the 12 starters, like, you know, another running back, which is Tevin Coleman, I mean, who plays a big part in what the 49ers do. So, I mean, you're down a lot of guys, man, like a lot. And to put up that type of performance, um, albeit the Giants, you know, we get it. But to put up that type of that type of performance, man, that was that was pretty impressive, man. That I, I that might go down as one of uh to me, Kyle Shanahan's most impressive wins, just considering the circumstances. I know, man. I agree. I mean, that, it was it was crazy to watch. Like, and every every time you thought the Giants might be finding some sort of momentum or some like edge, you know, and and you know they they had a few plays here and there. Every time you thought the Giants might be building some sort of momentum, it was the Forty Niners found some way to just completely snuff it out. And it would it, it, you know I think the only points the Giants scored was. Three field goals, right? Did they ever get any? Yeah. Nah, that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's to do that to any team in the NFL is dominant. You know, people, it, it just goes to not, yeah, yes, the Giants are a bad team, but it's still, it could, it still is created, you know, it's from NFL players. You know, people make plays. And it's just, uh, it, it was really, really impressive to me. Yeah. Um, and, and to that point, real quick, I don't think enough attention has been given to the defense. I I I get it. Like you played two teams that aren't explosive offensively, but even in the first game, the defense played well. So I saw someone that was talking about Kyler Murray being, you know, like MVP and whatnot. And somebody was like, "Well, all he's played is the Niners and and somebody else, whoever they played last week." Really trying to discredit the 49ers defense, and I'm like, "Oh, hold on." Like, yeah, they had like 24 points, you know, and that's including a block punt that set them up inside the 10. Like the the 49ers defense, you know. They intercepted a pass. They got a bunch of three and outs. They actually played well that game. They definitely played well enough to win. It was the offense that kind of laid an egg, didn't keep drives going, ton of um, 
uh, they didn't get very many uh, third down uh, conversions in that game. It was like terrible. Like the defense actually has continued some of what they did last year and, and played well early on. Again, I, I get the competition that they played the last two games, but the defense they 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 that was kind of something that 49ers could hold their hat, uh, hat on and, and know that oh we know the defense is going to show up. And I feel like in the first three games they've done what what they should be doing, you know, or what we expect them to do as a defense, even as shorthanded as they are. So that I just kind of want to give a little bit of props to the defense. They they definitely play well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, just to kind of um, elaborate further on what Croc was saying earlier, um, the forty. In addition to all of the injuries that I tweet that I just listed out for you, that I had also tweeted out. In addition to those, the 49ers still lost players in this game that you know also impacted the way they had to play things. Um, Jordan Reed, who was getting a lot of attention earlier in the game, almost made a, a beautiful, uh, you know, like fully extended touchdown catch in the back of the uh, end zone. Um, he On that catch, he rolled his ankle and, and kind of came down on his leg a little weird. And even though it was obvious that he rolled his ankle, um, he was grabbing his knee, like, you know, kind of like, like instantly started grabbing his knee after he hit the ground. So, um, and, and Kyle Shanahan said he does have an issue with his ankle and his knee. They don't really know for sure what it is or the severity of it. Um, Jordan Reed did come in and play a little bit, um, but he, you know, with the injuries, but he eventually just went back out. And when he was walking off the field at the end of the game, he was not moving well at all. He was moving very, very slow. So, um, not sure quite what's going on there. Uh, Jarek McKinnon left, left the game as well, uh, in the second half. Uh, with like a rib injury, uh, he tweeted out since the game saying he was Gucci. I'm assuming he means he's just fine, you know. Um, uh, Emmanuel Mosley left the, left the game as well uh, with a, a concussion. Uh, him and Jaquiski Tart, I believe, both tried to tackle Daniel Jones at the same time, and they got more of each other than they did Jones. And uh, and it looked right away like Emmanuel Mosley even had trouble getting up because he had he had hit his head. So. Um, He's got a concussion. He'll he'll be in the concussion protocol going forward unless they find that he doesn't have one. But it, it definitely looked like he did. And then uh, on the special teams kind of backup side of things, uh, Mark and Zacha, uh, he linebacker, he uh, he injured his quad. So, I mean, compared to the, the same game last week against the Giants, you know, the injuries are relatively modest. You're just kind of hoping that none of them are significant uh, most like – kind of the spotlight would be on Jordan Reed because he was really coming on strong. Um, and he looked like he was about to have a huge game, uh, but got hurt. So we'll see. And you just don't want to see him get hurt given kind of the the comeback, you know, the comeback story. He was he suffered a lot of injuries, mostly head injuries in his career. And, you know, you want to see that guy being able to uh, put together a healthy, healthy season. So we'll see. Um, but that, those are the injuries that happened throughout the game that can be added to the massive list of injuries that the 49ers had going into this game, which makes the way the game unfolded all that more impressive. You know, like this, when we, when we and Crocker jump on to do these Sunday night podcasts, we're not, we don't really like, we don't talk beforehand about how we're going to approach it. It's really just meant to be our, our, our kind of like our, our first reactions to the game and everything that comes to mind. So it's just, to me, it just was, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is just dominance, you know, and, and it was dominance by people that you would not necessarily assume were going to dominate. You know, I mean, what's, I mean, what's your first reaction? No, definitely. And I, I kind of want to give 
a big shout out to to Nick Mullins. Now, before the game, I, I had tweeted out. I don't know if you saw my tweet um, talking about Nick Mullins, but I, I tweeted out. I said, you know, I was driving through the country. You know, I didn't have any service. I was just thinking. And I said, you know, I'd like to see C.J. Beathard. And I think the 49er fans have been kind of hard on him, which I think they have considering, you know, his early circumstances that he was playing with. I think, And I said, I think he showed more high moments and ability than Nick Mullins. Now, obviously, people took that, and I think they assumed I was saying that I think C.J. Beathard is better than Nick Mullins or, or has played better, which isn't the case. I'm just saying, like, when you look at, C.J. Beathard's highs and, like, some of the things he's been able to do with, you know, throwing the deep ball, his impressive outing against Green Bay, you know, impressive outing against the Chargers outside of a ball that was dropped by Selick on the goal line and returned for an interception along, you know, the other way. Like, I felt like he showed in Spurs, like, look, I have high-level ability, athleticism, toughness. Like, he had all that. Like, there were certain things that he needed to improve on. But I was just like, man, like I would like to see if if he has built on that because he does have high level ability, and and then obviously Nick Mullins goes out and he balls out and people are like, oh like, no, you know, just <laughs> CJ terrible, no, and it's like, yeah, I get it. Like I'm not saying like CJ Beathard is great. I'm just saying like for a backup quarterback or even just a quarterback in the league, I think I think he has showed some like some really good traits that you would like to see somebody build off of, but. Nick Mullins, man, he had an awesome game. He uh the the word that really came to mind initially was execution. I was like, man, like whatever the game plan was, like he's executing that. Now, where I was kind of, I don't want to say blown away, but like where I was extremely impressed was how well he played late in the down. Uh a lot of times, especially again behind the sticks, what Nick Mullins would do is he would just kind of stand there and like guys would get pushed into him. And then he just make these crazy throws that like get batted down or intercepted or whatever. And he kind of eliminated that today. Well, kind of not kind of, he, he did, he, he eliminated that today. I thought he played extremely well. I thought even when he wasn't on the mark, guys bailed him out for the most part, there were a couple that, you know, hit guys hands that maybe they didn't bail him out, but it was a tough catch. But for the most part, I mean, I was extremely impressed. And the one, I'd say the one play that impressed me the most, uh, the 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 play that got the 49ers like inside the 10-yard line that uh that that Jarek McKinnon caught. And it was like a deep corner route, but it was like kind of like cover three. And if he would have thrown the ball where McKinnon was running to, it would have been picked off by the cover three corner. But Instead of throwing it where he was going to, he threw it upfield. And that was why you guys kind of saw, like, Jarek McKinnon have to turn his body and adjust the ball and catch it. He threw it away from the oncoming defender, man. I, I thought that throw was big time. And not not to try to create controversy, but, you know, I had tweeted out, like, oh, you know, uh, I was like, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, right now, and it was like a guy sweating, sweating, like, really tough. Like, basically, uh-huh. like, he was from the, the – you know, what Nick Mullins was doing. But I was like, man, like, some of these things that I see him doing late and down is like, Jimmy, like, these are some of the things you definitely have the ability to do. But I I was a little bit more impressed with this performance than a lot of other performances that I've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo. And I've known that 
there's not much of a drop off. I think we mentioned that on the podcast. Like, there's not much of a drop off between Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo just typically plays better winning football, makes the completions and throws when it matters most. And that was something that we haven't seen from uh, Nick Mullins. But I thought today, man, Nick Mullins was definitely awesome, man. And it was, it, it was, it was good, man. It was really good. Yeah, I think in 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 some way, shape, or form, Nick Mullins probably earned himself a lot of money today. You know, and 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 we'll see when Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, and maybe Nick Mullins plays again, and he's not so spectacular. But whether it's a team wanting to trade for the guy or a team looking at signing him, if the 49ers ever let him go, like teams just don't forget about performances like this, especially. When it comes to quarterbacks. Now, I don't know if any team's just going to up and like sign him to some huge contract and make him their starter. I don't know if, if Nick Mullins has shown that kind of potential. But I mean, he's put together a decent resume for himself as a backup quarterback that, you know, obviously gets limited reps, but then gets to step in and has done pretty well. And, and I was I was equally impressed with Nick Mullins today. I just felt like he always just seemed like he was in control. And, and Kyle Shanahan kind of said something similar. You know, he, he said that – I'm gonna, I want to find the exact quote because I've got it right here. Um, he said, Nick can make every single throw we need him to make. He did have a hell of a job today. Not only did he execute, like Crocker said, but he made a number of off-schedule plays too. I was really happy with Nick. That's what Shanahan said. And, and obviously we know how Shanahan is with praise. He can withhold it if he feels like he needs to withhold it. Um, but he was obviously very excited for Nick and his performance. And there were plenty of off-schedule plays where you could tell he was kind of swinging for the fences. And, you know, there was one where I think he he jumped and over kind of to get up and over a defender and then threw it. And I can't remember who it was to. might have been a Kendrick Bourne. Um, obviously, I, I knew going in that those two were going to have a good connection, and they did. So, I mean, Nick was I – mean, he was just good. Like, he was good. And the, the numbers aren't aren't – mind-boggling you know like he threw you know he completed 70 percent of his passes essentially for 343 yards which is up there that was double what daniel jones threw for and and a touchdown with no interceptions and to me that's another thing you got to highlight no interceptions no fumbles didn't make big mistakes didn't lose the 49ers the game which is all you can ever ask a quality backup quarterback to do just don't lose us the game and and he didn't you know, and there there are not very many teams that can say that about their backup quarterback. They they you know they they just exist there for teams hoping they don't have to use them. And you know when they do, kind of there's usually an attitude like, oh well, we're kind of screwed. But in the 49ers case, they're a little less screwed, and and that's always a, a you know a compliment for somebody like like Nick Mullins because if well, you can, you know. So I have a question for you. Um, if you're the if you're the 49ers, and obviously you see the value he has as a as a backup, you know if anything happens to Jimmy Garoppolo, you would like to have someone like Mullins to be able to step in and play well like he did, where you don't really lose a beat and you can keep the offense rolling. But you looking at it, you know, kind of realistically, the Patriots were in a very similar situation where. They had a, a backup quarterback by the name of Jimmy Garoppolo who was going to be a free agent in the up, upcoming offseason. So at the trade deadline, they traded Jimmy Garoppolo away. If Mullins say he plays against the Eagles, 
and he does, and he has another really good output like this, and then Jimmy Garoppolo comes back at the deadline. Would you trade Nick Mullins? I understand the the and, and real, real quick, I want to say in that same year, that was the year that the Patriots ended up going to the Super Bowl and beating the beating the uh, the Falcons. So trading Garoppolo away definitely didn't hurt them. Would you would you trade Nick Mullins if he has value like Garoppolo did, and and you know? not have that backup that you know for sure you can count on. I would not trade Nick Mullins unless a team kind of like blew my socks off with an offer. Like we're talking like, you know, like if a team says, okay, I'll give you our second round pick. I'd be like, and even then, like I'm not saying Nick Mullins is worth a first round pick. That's not what I'm saying. But even if a team comes along and offers you a second, I still think the 49ers would think about it a little bit. I don't care that he's undrafted. I don't care. If the 49ers feel that the team that's asking for Mullins is asking for him to fill a starting quarterback's role, then they have every right to ask for nothing more or nothing less than like a third rounder. You know, if if they know that is his value and that is what somebody is seeking him out for, then they can ask, you know, a third, a second round pick easy. Doesn't matter what he was. Doesn't matter, you know, what, you know, it really matters what it is now. So I don't know, man. I still think it's, I still think it's a tough, right, right. You're not going to be able to get him back. Um, Not even at like a reasonable price. You know, he's a quarterback that has shown the ability to start. That's what so, I mean. That's what I. That's what I mean when I said like Nick Mullins made himself a little bit of money. It's like if they, if they're if 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 the year expires and nobody offers to trade for him, like he's gonna know that the 49ers, like he's not gonna accept like a backup contract. And at this point in his career, he's smart not to. You know, take what you can get when you can get it. And if if Jimmy comes back in and does whatever Jimmy does, I don't care about that. I'm saying if this is the impression that is left with NFL teams, you know, let's say it's this game today, then he knows that his stock has probably never been higher. So would I trade him if I were the 49ers? Yes, but the offer would have to be good. But at the same time, you also have to realize, are you going to be able to re-sign him? Are you, you know, even if, if you decline all the offers and his contract rolls around this offseason, are you going to be able to resign him with all of the other insane free agents you have, you know, leaving the team? So I mean, to, as well, you know, you, you did give up a third and a fifth for Trent Williams. So, right. You know, you so they're, in a, they're in a position where teams are going to know, OK, the 49ers can't keep Nick Mullins, right? You know, they, they can't. So they, the teams are going to have to give up a ton, but they also would like to be able to give up what they can to get the player in the beginning, in the building and sign them to their own contract without having to negotiate against, you know, a bunch of other teams. So there's a ton of things that factor. I know we're really going off the rails here as far as, you know, how good Nick Mullins was today. But at the same time, it's an interesting conversation and it's something the 49ers are legitimately going to have to consider. But at the same time, I think the 49ers know, look, we might have to give up Nick Mullins, but we have C.J. Beathard, who we like as a backup quarterback. And that's also somebody who they're going to be able to sign to a normal backup quarterback's contract. So, you know, it's a tough decision, though, because the security of having a backup that you know can step in and run your offense extremely well, kind of like, you know, like a 
Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees situation. Teddy, I think Teddy Bridgewater is quite a bit better than Nick Mullins, but it, it's a it's a very valuable asset. And the fact that the New Orleans Saints were able to stay competitive in the division and in the you know in the playoff race because Teddy Bridgewater stepped in there and won games. So you know, there's all kinds of different things you have to consider when you're talking about that. What would you do? What do you think, man? I mean, if 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 a team came calling, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trading them. Because I'm not going to okay. be able to keep them. I can't keep them. Right. So you, you could. I, I have to just unless, chalk unless it up. There's like, I mean, this guy's out there putting pylons up. So maybe he's the nicest guy on the planet. And he's just like, sure, 49ers, I'll stick around for, you know, $2 million a year. And can they even afford that? I don't know. But, you know, but th- that to me just doesn't seem realistic. You know, so I, think- I mean, like, if, if, if I'm Nick Mullins, even if I'm the nicest guy, my agent isn't nice. My no, agent would say, no, he's not. you're absolutely not going to do that. You're not going to take that. And I'd be like, all right, let me go somewhere where I can play, you know, and make money that I feel like I deserve. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, that's not a selfish thing. Everybody, if you're a competitor, you want the opportunity to play. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo, now if you, now if you, now if the 49ers told him, hey, like, just hang out, don't worry. Like, at the end of the year, we're just, we're going to let Jimmy Garoppolo go and keep you. <laughs> now that's, that's different. Where are we going? But then, but then you would have to sign, you would still have to sign Nick Mullins. So it's like, no, like you keep Jimmy Garoppolo, you got him on pay for cheap, you trade, you trade away uh Nick Mullins, and yeah, take that draft pick. I agree. It's just a lot of things to talk about that makes it interesting. So we're there. You know, we're there with on striking gold. We're talking about backup quarterbacks. We're not talking about quarterback controversies. We're not talking about that. Nick Mullins has not put Jimmy Garoppolo's job in jeopardy. Don't even ask me that. Or whatever. It's it's not a thing. So I don't want to hear that. The only way that the only thing, the only quarterback controversy that could be created is if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back and it's just somehow dramatically worse as a quarterback. Then you have a conversation. But don't ask me that right now. But anyways, so let's get into highlighting. Oh, actually, no, we won't. I'm looking at the time. You know what time it is. It's time to get some words in from our sponsors. And after that, we will come back and we'll talk about everybody else that um, showed out in uh, in Sunday's win over the Giants. First off, we've got DoorDash. Okay, you counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat. And your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food's on the way. Right now, listeners of Striking Gold can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's Blue Wire for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. 
In addition to DoorDash, we've got Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. The football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how much you watch. Myself, I'm a Pepsi guy, and I will usually be drinking a Pepsi when I'm watching football and watching Jimmy Garoppolo do his thing. Hopefully, we'll see that soon, but for right now, we're on the Nick Mullins train, okay? Hop on board. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And the wait's finally over. Football's back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Ben Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Ben Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Croc. We've talked Mullins. You know, we talked him up to be easily one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever grace the uh, the field in the red and gold. But who else did something awesome to you uh, against the Giants? I mean, man, do you want me to list it or just throw just out start the with, Start with one. Just start with one. Start with your next most awesome. All right. Who do I start with? Um, I'll start with Ross Dwelly because that's a guy that came out. I mean, obviously he was going to be – Incorporated into the game plan somewhat because he's the second tight end playing right now. There's you know there's no George Kittle. You got Jordan Reed out there who's gonna you know get a high volume amount of passes. And then you have Ross Dwelly who's probably gonna block more than catch passes. But Jordan Reed two times left the game with injuries and Ross Dwelly was called upon. And what the hell? He's making plays, breaking tackles, getting yards after catch. I mean, he showed up, and that, and that's what. That's what you want when you're 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 down and everybody says next man up and he was the next man up man and he he came through big time, uh, so Ross Dwelly that's the first guy that I want to kind of give a shout, shout out, out to uh, shout out to Grant Cohn over at uh, Sports Illustrated he's a big uh, big Ross Dwelly guy I mean a lot of it is said in jest but at the same time I know he's he's taking some of it to heart so Dwelly going out there and uh, you know catching four pat four of four passes. For 49 yards is a solid performance. And, and I think a couple of those were on third down, too. There was one of them where he made a, made a couple guys miss, and that was pretty impressive. Um, who are some other – I guess it's my turn to highlight a guy. You got – I mean, dude, you got to highlight Brandon Ayuk, man. You got to highlight Brandon Ayuk. Like, we're talking about a guy who, who – Crocker made a, a lot of emphasis last week in saying, look, Shanahan – you have a, a, a brand-new, shining first-round wide receiver – uh, you know, you got games that for a decent amount of these games, some at some points it feels like it's a good time to get a rookie receiver involved. And the 49ers did just that. You know, like it was 
Kyle Shanahan said himself that there were some, some he didn't get into details. There were some things that Brandon Ayuk did in the first half that he didn't like. Like not they they didn't seem serious. He said to your average football watcher, um, you might not even have noticed them, but he noticed them. And and whatever I don't know if they talked during halftime or if they kind of adjusted, but the second half just belonged to Brandon Ayuk. You know, because he, I believe going into the second half, he didn't have any catches. He was involved in the ground game with some end arounds and, and runs, but I believe going into the second half, he didn't have any catches. I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, it's, it wasn't a lot, but he finished with five catches for 70 yards. He also finished with three carries for 31 yards, including a 19 yard end around for a touchdown, where with a combination of his kind of the way he runs after the catch. Or, you know, the way he runs and the blocking that was out in front of him, he just, like, you know, weaved his way into the end zone. And I don't even know if he was ever touched. So that was a that was a good performance for Ayuk. You know, it was just they, Kyle Shanahan said several of the plays they were calling were Ayuk was the number one read and he got open and Nick Mullins threw it to him. And, and that's just how it goes. The fact yeah. that, you know, Kyle Shanahan – is already dialing up plays where Brandon Ayuk is the number one read and they just want to give him the ball and they want to see they have confidence that he's going to be available for the pass. You know, that's, that's, that's a good sign. And that was a, today was a really, really strong game for him. I mean, if you play fantasy, I think he had over 20 points. Um, I mean, I could do the math real quick, depending on the league, but uh, yeah, he had over 20 points. So, I mean, if that's your deal too, that you could look at it that way. He, uh, you had a great, great afternoon, man. What did you see? Because I, I knew you were looking forward to seeing the same thing. What did you see? What did you appreciate? Yeah, no, I mean, that was what I wanted last week. For, you know, the 49ers were up, and it's like, hey, force the ball to him. Like, call things to where he is the number one option. And maybe last week he wasn't ready for it. But this week he definitely was. He started out, obviously, on the ground, um, getting a couple carries. Uh, like you said, in the first half, no catches. But second half, oh, and in the first half, they did target him. I will say that. He was getting targeted. Uh, it looked like him and Nick Mullins weren't on the same page or whatever, or, you know, just good coverage, whatever the case is. But second half, things started kind of opening up a little bit. They did uh, a couple of RPOs in a row where he caught slant. You know, it was one drive where he, boom, slant. That was an RPO slant. Next, it was like next play or two plays later, RPO slant, boom. Then he caught an out route, boom, caught three. And then he had the end around for the touchdown, all on the same drive. I said, hell yeah, man, get this dude involved. And then, like, you know, sure enough, over the next couple possessions, caught another pass, caught a deep in route that was really behind him, and he adjusted, caught it, you know. And that was maybe one of those things where I don't know if he was supposed to sit in the window or not. Uh, He kind of kept drifting, so the ball was kind of slightly behind him. It was one of those things where, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's supposed to sit or keep going whatever, but... He kept drifting a little bit, uh, so the ball ended up kind of being a little bit behind him. But adjusted well, caught the ball, got down. And I was like, well, goddamn, that's what I'm talking about. Keep getting this guy <laughs> the ball. And that's a good game for him. You know, he had 100 yards, you know, between rushing and receiving. And, keep, let, 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 you know, let's keep it going. The more comfortable he gets, the more of an asset he's going to be, you know, especially when you have all your guys. When you have D, uh, Debo Samuel back and you have – uh, Raheem Mostert and stuff, and now and that was one thing I mentioned uh, via Twitter before the season started. Around midseason, you should be able to see a click. Now, obviously, we've had more injuries than we would like, but 
that was when I said, you know, shoot, are you, you're going to start seeing him really get comfortable. Now, I mean, good game. Let's see if he can keep it going. Let's see if he can be consistent. But, I, yeah, yeah, that was something that I was really happy to see uh, last game, definitely. Yeah, he had those two plays in a row where I think the first one was a quick slant and he created plenty of separation. And, I mean, you're talking about – obviously, they have their coverages and the way they want them to play their coverages. But talking about a, a rookie wide receiver that hasn't really earned any respect for the most part, you know, like – but he still created – I mean, I don't know how far the DB played off, but on the quick slant, you know, he was open right away. I believe he got a first down. And then they just did another slant that was about six yards – and he still created a ton of separation. Uh, it was just a little bit deeper down the field. So I was—I mean, it was fun to watch, man. And and he's—he's he's one of those guys that any one of those slants, he can take to the house. And it's just yeah. the way he runs and the way he moves. Uh, so you know, be waiting for that. Another guy, I mean, sticking to—you know what? No, let's 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 switch over. Let's switch over here. Fred Warner. I tweeted this out during the game, and and I understand that even I sometimes can tweet things that are hyperbolic. You know, like like exaggerations maybe but i i truly believe that fred warner when you're talking about the best linebackers in the nfl in the nfl right now fred warner should be in the conversation like i just think that his game has slowly evolved we've seen him in these three games the 49ers have played in he's consistently around the ball he's he's making tackles in the backfield he's and his and his strong suit is coverage you saw that today when he picked off daniel jones he said that him and the defense had talked about that formation and that play um, throughout the week. He said Jaquiski Tart called it out before the snap, which is impressive. And the the question asked him, well, you didn't even look at the receiver, or yeah, I think it was Evan Ingram, didn't even look at him like, you know, what enabled you to do that? And, and Fred Warner just knew where the ball was going to be thrown. And so he was able to put himself in a position right where he needed to be, and it was thrown. He was able to cut right in front of it, make an easy catch, and uh, and to get his interception. But I just think his his game is at a point where he he's. I mean, he's probably going to get All Pro consideration at the end of the season as long as everything goes well. That was me knocking on wood. Um, it, 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 I just I feel like this guy is an elite linebacker, and he is one of the players that the 49ers – I can guarantee you are already figuring out or attempting to figure out how they're going to pay. You know, Dre Greenlaw kind of makes that easy because if you don't feel like you need to keep Quan Alexander, then you take that money and you give it to Fred Warner. But Fred Warner is is an insanely good linebacker. And I don't know what it is about the 49ers, but they just always seem to find great linebackers. I mean, imagine if Chris Borland had kept playing. <laughs> like that's a random linebacker that was super good in a very 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 short window. But Fred Warner finished with 7 tackles, an interception, a pass breakup. Um I don't have pro football focus numbers in front of you. I bet you his you know numbers there were were probably pretty impressive. Um but Fred Warner is definitely a guy that should be highlighted. He's just man, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does for the rest of the season. Right, and he he had at least uh, one QB hit for sure. Right, yeah, I think he, uh, I think he forced like a, a a key incompletion. I think he was blitzed and hit Daniel Jones right as he threw. Um, I, I'm gonna just kind of ramble off a few names of guys and just you know just to kind of highlight them, and I'll, I'll just like briefly speak on each guy. Uh, one guy, uh, Javon Kinlaw, 
I think over the first three games, he's been really good. It seems like he's progressing each, each week. I saw him doing really good run stuffing, uh, a couple of times getting there uh, really good with the pass rush. Obviously, you know, he's still learning a lot, especially when it comes to like, you know, uh, getting after the quarterback, you know, in the passing game. But I thought he was really good. He, he flashed. That was really good to see. Uh, he even t- uh, knocked away a ball uh, one play. So that was really good. Uh, Jason Verrett. His first time starting since 2017, and I thought he played very well, challenged receivers, even like a catch that he gave up on the sideline, like it had to be a perfect pass and really tough catch, and the guy had to like toe tap and get both feet down. Uh, I thought that was really impressive. And then, um, who's the other guy I wanted to talk about? Ken Long. <laughs> Brett. Well, I'll just stop there. Oh, 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 Kendrick Bourne. And again, just doing what almost forgot about your boy. I know, and, and just doing what I feel like, like, hey, this is what he's good at. Especially the more you develop a guy like Kenlaw, or you know, obviously get Debo Samuel back. But the more you develop those other guys and have those other guys, he's almost going to be kind of like an afterthought in your offense. I thought early on you could tell like they kind of had to throw him the ball, <laughs> and he had you know the Giants' best defender following him around, and he was up for the challenge. It was a competition, but. What's he going to do when Giants best defender has to guard Ayuk and Debo, and then now he's on your third best, you know, cover guy or whatever? I think that's when we'll see him continue some of the numbers that he's doing now. He had what sixty something catch, uh, sixty something yards or whatever he had today. Uh, but another really solid game, and just doing what I think he can he can do, and you know, be that you know third or fourth fourth option and be really good in that role. So. That was another very impressive game with uh by by my guy. And he's getting closer to that that 45 catch uh season that I, I thought he'd have, and I bet money on it. So <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I bet money on it. So uh well what, where is he at right now? Because he, he added another uh what is it, five today? Four. He had another four today. And you said he has to average does he have to average he, more than four? So I think right now he has eleven. So let's see. Let's do the math here. I think 11. I want to say he has eleven yeah. catches. I'm pretty sure. So uh, if you, uh, he has ten. Oh, he has ten. Yes. Okay. And they've been through three games. So multiply that by five. He's on pace with for fifty-three little... catches, baby. Yeah. He's on, pace, he's on pace for fifty-three. So I'm doing good right now. Right. And I and I don't think. I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna lessen. I mean, I don't know. Debo Samuel will come back, um, but I don't think that necessarily takes away Kendrick Bourne's spot. He's he's always going to be that that third receiver, no matter who's out there. So, right. um, I, I mean, hopefully, I know that Nick Mullins likes him a lot, though. So hopefully, he can keep that up because obviously, I want you to win your bet, and I just like Kendrick Bourne. Like, dude, the dude is so likable i've i've liked him since you can go you could probably search my twitter handle and his name and you'd find tweets from him from me about him as a rookie and the way he ran routes and the the thing that first stood out to me about kendrick Bourne was the way he catches the ball like from a receiver standpoint any receiver that you ever see confidently snatching the ball out of the air and if it's like thrown right to their chest and they catch it like two feet out away from their body because they just have confidence in their hands in my, and just the way I am, they instantly earn my respect because I know that they have, they know how to catch the ball. They have confidence in their hands and that's kind of where it all starts. And he, I need, he's a great route runner too. 
So, you know, he was getting uh, James Bradbury, corner for the Giants, was giving Kendrick Bourne everything he can handle. But Bourne was still competing, and he was still getting open, and he was still making plays against him. So, and and we've seen even Bourne make little plays here and there against like Jalen Ramsey, you know, when he was still on the Jags, and he converted that that quick slant, I think, for a third on third down or something right. like you know. So he he can compete, and and he's exactly what he is excelling at the role the 49ers have for him, which is to be their third receiver, a guy that they can go to at any point and not feel weird about it. You know, and it, like it's like they're asking to get, get in trouble. So. So, yeah, the, the, the one group or groups that I was a little, I don't want to say disappointed in, but I've just kind of noticed like the offensive line, they haven't been blocking very well in the run game. And it kind of had an effect on the running backs. Now, I, I don't want to give the offensive line all the blame. I did notice a few times where I'm like, man, I see the cutback lane. Like, I see where they probably should put their foot in the ground, but they kind of carried it out a little too long or ended up stretching out just a little too long and running into linemen back where I'm used to seeing, uh, you know, Raheem Moser put his foot in the ground and get vertical right now and really, like, explode through holes and then get, you know, eight yards, nine yards, 10 yards. And obviously we've seen him with the home run hits on sweeps and stuff like that. But that's one thing, I think an underrated part of, of Raheem Mostert's game. He's been really good at reading the holes in that outside, you know, stretch zone or whatever. Uh, today, I felt like the running backs kind of lacked that vision. Now, when the running holes were obvious, they did hit it. But and there were a couple of times where I'm like, man, like, like, Put your foot in the ground and get vertical like right now. And I'm not a running back coach, and maybe I'll see something different when I see the all-22 version of it. But I just thought they were carrying out those stretches just a little bit too long, and uh, their numbers really reflected that. 35 carries, 93 yards. That's less than three yards per carry. Like You know, that's that's not good. It's <laughs> not good at all. I mean, Jeff Wilson, for as good as he looked in moments, especially, like, I guess in the passing game, in the run game, 12 carries for 15 yards. That's not ideal. Jerk McKinnon, uh, 14 carries, 38 yards. And like he had like two runs kind of back-to-back that were like 10-plus yards. So outside of that, I mean, he had a lot of carries that were either negative or right around the line of scrimmage. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the positives in this game. But I thought that definitely was a negative, the way that the running backs were kind of seeing the holes. And that was something I pointed out. I was like, man, who's going to be the lead guy? Like, who's going to carry the, the load? And I didn't think that they did very well at that today. Uh, but the one bright spot, Jermichael Hasty, everybody wanted to see him. And obviously, you know, he only had a couple carries, two carries, nine yards. And he looked quick, shifty. I'm like, dang, look like baby Devontae Freeman, right? Like young Devontae Freeman. Like that's really what he looked like. Uh, and then also, I mean, his first play in the game, he caught a slant uh, for, what was it, uh, nine yards. So 18 yards, you know, his first few times touching the ball. That was really good to see, you know, from him. And, uh, you know, who knows how long Moster is going to be out. But I think, you know, Hasty, yeah, give him give him some more touches, man. He looked good. Looked quick. Looked, looked dynamic. I liked what I saw. Well, another thing that I think would be fair to mention with the running game is the run blocking looked horrible, too. And, and there was not a whole lot of times. There may have been a few, but there wasn't a whole lot of times to me where there was like an obvious place to run or an obvious hole opening up that the running that McKinnon or Wilson just weren't seeing. 
I thought the the run blocking was was struggling, and and that also could have to do with the fact that the the Giants were selling out to stop the run. They didn't consider Nick Mullins and the passing game any kinds of a threat, and obviously that was a mistake on their part, which is why Nick Mullins has three hundred and forty three yards passing. But I just didn't see a whole lot of space to run, and and I you know I'm not I'd have to go back and watch the game. I'm obviously I'm not like convicted about it, but. Um, it just didn't seem like there was a whole opera, a lot of opportunity there to hit the hole how we've seen Raheem do in the past because there's a whole combination of the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the field. Teams have more respect for the passing game. They are – there's – you know, you've got a George Kittle that might be out there. There's just more to respect through the air. And and the Giants, I, I could guarantee you, you go back and watch the tape and they probably had eight – seven or eight in the box routinely. The, throughout the majority of the game, I'd be willing to bet. So it was, it's, I think it was just the, you are right though. The, I mean, the running backs looked like they weren't, they weren't really getting much going, but when they were getting these carries, it just didn't look like there was a whole lot there. You know, like it was, there were times where McKinnon was like, just kind of like crouched down behind blockers who really had generated no push or no space. And then he'd kind of dart through and try and get a few that, you know, whatever few he could pick up. So, but I do think, though, that that's a good point in the fact that the running backs didn't look nearly as explosive as, you know, Raheem. And uh, the run blocking itself just didn't look great for a team when the for a team whose offense is predicated off of off of running the ball. So if there's yeah. something that you can't. You know, you you want to have confidence if you're Shanahan, you want to have confidence that you can run the ball so you don't have to put it all on your backup quarterback. And the fact that the 49ers couldn't. I mean, injuries obviously play a part with that. Jarek McKinnon was your starting running back. Tevin Coleman was hurt. Raheem Mostert was hurt. So, so there's so many factors that go into that. It's just, it's just an interesting kind of thing. I'm looking at my notes. I don't know if I have anything else about that game that that really that I took at least took notes of. I know I wrote down on here, okay, Jason Brett, because <laughs> he just looked good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he just looked good. Um, I do have- there was one thing I noticed with like the linebackers, uh, specifically for one where there were a couple times they lost containment on the like they option. Did. They did. And I don't know if that was just something where they're just like, oh, he's not gonna do it. But you know, Jones, he ran well coming out of Duke. So he it wasn't like he was just like just some kind of like statue, like a like a you know, Josh Rosen or something. Like he was somebody like he can run. So that was one thing, and it seemed like 49 weren't really I don't want to say prepare for it, but maybe they just figured that's not going to beat us. Uh, so that was one thing. But the other thing, damn, what was the other thing? It was something. Oh, linebackers. Um, Fred Warner. There were a couple of times where he kind of got outflanked because I thought he was paying too much attention to the quarterback and not looking at a guy that's kind of running away from him. And that gave the Giants a couple easy catches. Now, obviously, that's not, again, that's something that didn't like hurt the 49ers. But that was just something where I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, you're back there, you're spot dropping, but there is a guy like you're the only like flat guy that's able to defend this this guy that's running away from you right now um, out of your zone, and you're kind of glued more to the quarterback, and he was late on it. So that those, those that, I mean, kind of nitpicking because the 49ers played very well all game, but that was just you know a couple things I noticed. I agree, and it's and, and obviously we want 
in a game like that, you want to at least find highlight highlight some things that the 49ers could improve on. But overall, it was it was a really really impressive effort from a team that had so many injuries. Yeah, I did write down on here running quarterbacks again. Like I feel like the 49ers, you know, uh, Kyler Murray's going to do his thing to pretty much every team in the league, just like Lamar Jackson last season did his thing to pretty much every team in the league, except the 49ers, but that was a weird game. It was very, very rainy. But, yeah, the the Giants' leading rusher was Daniel Jones. He ran for five attempts for 50 yards. You know, he averaged almost 10 yards a carry. So you don't want to see that. But, again, like if, if that's the worst thing that's happening in a game like that, Obviously, it only produced them nine points. There's not a whole lot to to grill anybody about that. But they do need to work on just, I mean, you've got two games with Russell Wilson coming up. You've got another game against Kyler Murray. And you, you they just have to work on, on containing this. And it's not an easy job. There's no surefire solution. But it's, it's something that the 49ers defense knows they need to get better at. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I think that's, as far as first reactions go, again, this isn't supposed to be the most detailed breakdown of the game ever. This is just our first reaction to essentially what we just saw. Um, tomorrow, we will jump back on here. We'll highlight some more players that did well, highlight some players that didn't do great. Might switch it up and go a different direction. I don't know. But I think that's all I've got for this evening. What do you? Ha- what about you, Croc? Are you good? No, that's good. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 But... As always, I appreciate you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that game. You know, after coming off the last game and just how the fact that the 49ers won handedly, but nobody cared because there were so many injuries and and it looks like the 49ers got better luck this week when it came to uh, injuries. They still handled the game one in convincing fashion despite having so many backups. So I hope all of you guys out there are feeling a little bit better this week than you were last week. Um, the 49ers return home after two weeks on the East Coast. The 49ers return home next week to face the Eagles, which look very, very, very beatable. Just as I, I dare I say, not as beatable as the Jets, but they don't look great. So I think the four, we'll see what the 49ers, who comes back and, and what kind of shape the 49ers are in for their, their second home game of the season uh, against the Eagles. But that's it for us for another week. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if uh, what you're thinking, what you saw in the game, what you appreciated, what you didn't appreciate. Um, I, I'll say it again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I always enjoy when when our listeners just make little comments about what they heard on the pod. So hit us up. We appreciate you. Couldn't be doing this without you. Uh, but for another week, this is Striking Gold signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.